You are listening to this week's sermon podcast from LifePoint Church in Ames, Iowa. For more information, visit www.livethemessage.org. So glad you're here this morning. And if you are new with us this morning, I want to personally just say welcome. So glad you are here this morning. I'd love to personally meet you after the service. Um, God's doing something in our church, and he's going to use this church in a specific way in our city, and so we need you to be a part of it. God's putting together something great. I want to give an extra plug this morning for next Sunday night, because a dear friend and mentor in my life, Dick Schroeder, has been in ministry for over 40 years, is going to be with us Sunday morning, but also Sunday night. And so we don't typically do Sunday nights, and so I want to give an extra emphasis to it, because it's going to be amazing. And you won't want to miss out on this extra time of worship, but teaching. He has an amazing gift to the body of Christ in the area of teaching. And uh, then also extended time of ministry at the altars, as well as ministry to our kids on a Sunday night. Super excited. Nicole Gilson, our children's ministry director, has been working hard on um, providing something extra for our kids that allow them to experience something in the Lord that night as well. So come, please. Come Sunday morning, bring one, two, or three friends, and then in the evening, come back. Six o'clock right here. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I love Dick Schroeder a lot. I've, br- I've brought him to the campus before and uh, just have a lot of respect for his ministry. And he's going to be a gift to us. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Philippians chapter 3. We are going to dive into God's Word this morning. So we've been the last couple weeks, and so we're going to spend one last week in Philippians chapter 3, an amazing testimony of, Paul, of Paul's, how he encountered Christ. He was a man steeped and entrenched in religion, dead, powerless, uh, self-edifying religion. That's what he was born into until he encountered Christ, and um, it all got turned upside down. His value grid got con- turned completely upside down. And he came into real relationship with Christ. And we've been unpacking this over the last few weeks. So let's just pray as we open up God's word. Lord, I'm expecting that just like you do, that you're going to speak specifically to people's hearts and lives. You make your word come alive. And you're the God that can allow the revelation of your word to speak intimately to over 7 billion people in a unique way. And so I just pray you'd make it happen humbly here in this church this morning. There's some people here that have doubts, that have unbelief, that have discouragement, that are walking through difficult situations. There are others that are on the mountaintop, and life is just whizzing by, and they're they're loving it. But every single person in this place today, October 1st, 2017, they need an encounter with their, their creator, with their savior. So I pray you do it, Jesus. We need you, Lord, in your name, amen. Awesome. So uh, I try to take Fridays off every single week. Fridays typically are my day off, and I love on my day off to go and pick up my kids from school. And um, got a kindergartner and a first grader at Gilbert, and, um, and a couple of weeks ago, it was one of those you know, abnormally hot fall days that we've had as of, as of late. And my kindergartner, Lucy, got into the car at, at pickup from elementary school, and her face was flush red, and she was in a panic. And my daughter Lucy is not one that's, that's overdramatic. Some of my kids are. She is not one. She's usually pretty low-key, pretty chill, and um, just says it like it is. 
But today she was panicked. Her face was flushed and she got in the car and she just started to bawl. And she said, dad, I'm so thirsty. I need something to drink. And obviously all the questions are flooding through my mind why she's so desperately thirsty, but that was irrelevant. I needed to get her something to drink. Fortunately, I had a bottle of water there. I gave her a bottle of drink and she's just like trying to pull herself together. She got her thirst quenched. But, but she was desperately thirsty, just like me, maybe, me, maybe you have been at some point in your life. Like, we can't survive long without, that quenching, uh, without quenching the thirst that God has physically given us for water. Am I right? Well, in the same way, spiritually, and even more so, God has created us with this need for spiritual sustenance in relationship with himself. That's how he's designed us. He's created us to not be able to thrive outside of relationship with him. And I would even venture to say the way we live our lives is, is a life of desperation, seeking after anything that would quench the longings of our soul. It's, it's much like my, my desperate daughter, Lucy. Our, our, we, almost get, we almost get exasperated in desperation, searching for something to satisfy the longings of our soul until we encounter Christ. And it's in that moment that the sustenance and provision of our soul is met. But here's the kicker. We're never meant to leave that place of provision and sustenance. That place of provision is a place of daily provision where we come back to day after day, week after week. And that's what we've been unpacking the last several weeks as we've been talking about intimacy with God. If you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I, had, I delivered a difficult message on uh, religion. Religion is hard for us to discern, especially if we've been around the church at all, because we kind of grow numb to the affirmations and the applause of others and this um, self-righteousness where we begin to feel really good about ourselves, built up outside of Christ's sufficiency. So we tore that down and talked about how Jesus didn't give his life to build a religion, to start a religion. He gave his life to purchase back a right relationship with us. He so longs for relationship with you that heaven would give its best for you. And last week we talked about how the rhythms of our life can create an invitation to know Christ more. How many of you feel busy? Yeah, I know it. We all feel busy. So oftentimes the, the daily rhythms of our life steal, steal relationship from Christ from us. And so last week we unpacked in Philippians 3, a glimpse of how the rhythms of our life can actually create everyday invitations to know Christ more, simply by recognizing what Christ is doing and then also making more space for Christ to, to work in our lives. So this morning, I want to continue in that vein, and I want to talk about Christ's sufficient supply in our life with the simple truth that his supply will never run dry. His supply will never run dry. It's always enough. Every single day, he's got what you need. Every moment of doubt or unbelief that possibly he's forgotten about you, you can every single day set it to the side, set it at his feet, be honest with him, and every day he'll meet you. He'll meet your need. He'll supply what you need spiritually, the spiritual sustenance for your soul. He'll deliver, and that's what he does. So we can no longer pass the blame we can no, no longer pass the blame on God as we're experiencing boredom possibly in our faith or possibly we're feeling discouraged in our faith. Possibly we're 
walking through a, a, a true season of depression. We can no longer pass the blame on God. He supplies our every need. And the reason that um, those, those seasons of discouragement and boredom and even bouts of depression can oftentimes distract us away from that place of provision is because either we haven't run to that source, we're trying to find something else to supply our need, or we've believed a lie that his supply will not be enough. And so instead, we're looking for some other solution. But I'm telling you this morning, his supply will never run dry. He's got what you need. And I would venture to say that there's some here this morning that just need a touch, a refreshing touch from Christ. John chapter 7, Jesus came, shouted before the crowds, and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Anyone who comes to me and believes in me and drinks from his innermost being will flow streams of living water. That's the promise of Jesus. He gives that imagery, that description of when you encounter him, when you actually encounter a relationship with him, it's like, it's like streams of living water flowing from our soul. There's this, this place of, of sustenance and provision for your daily life. And so using that imagery, we've constructed this well over a period of three weeks. That's right, it's been tough work, but we've done it. And here it is. That's right. I brought a shovel a couple weeks ago as we dug through religion. We've done the, the difficult week, uh, work last week of establishing the well. We're develop, developing a rhythm, a place we can continue to come back to day after day, week after week. And now we have a well. Now the key is for us to actually come before come back to this place of living water day after day and believe that it's never going to run dry. It's continually shedding that idea of lack and poverty and believing that God is a good father, just like we just declared. And he has enough for you. It may not always be packaged in the way that you think it's going to be packaged, but he has enough for the day. He's sufficient. I want to share one last story of my time drilling water wells in Rwanda. I've shared several stories, and you're probably getting sick of my stories of drilling water wells, but I'll share one last one. The very first well we ever drilled in Rwanda, Africa, where I spent a summer drilling water wells, was actually at an orphanage. And this orphanage was unfortunately situated on the top of a hill. And generally, when you're drilling for water wells, the water table follows the contours of the topography, and you would generally want to drill a water well in a valley and not on top of a hill. But we wanted to, we wanted to satisfy the, this orphanage and these hard workers, these amazing, humble uh, kingdom workers. So they said, we'll, we'll give it a try. Unfortunately, our trucks got stuck getting up there. By the time we get up there, we drill for an entire day, nothing. Drill for a second day, nothing. And finally, on the third day, we get water. You can show the picture up there. We finally hit water. And it's amazing. You know, people are in desperate need when there's a crowd of people surrounding you, cheering, cheering you on as, as you hit water. And these, these, these kids are cheering you on. They're so exci excited. But I would venture to say the life of an orphan is one that they're just thankful for the day not knowing what's going to be there tomorrow. If, if, if only today I can have enough, that'd be great. But I would say sometimes in our spiritual walk, we, we would we'd live like an orphan. Like we, we doubt that God's going to provide what we need. But just like that well, that provided the sustenance and provision for that orphanage on a hillside. 
now for 10 years, I, I'm going to go out and make a bold statement that God has what you need day after day, and his supply will never run dry. He has what you need. So here in Philippians chapter 3, we've talked about the testimony of Paul that he, that he unpacked and the verses leading up to verse 7. Entrenched in religion, his world is turned upside down. He encounters Christ. His paradigm, his value grid is, is completely turned around. And he says in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now we're on to new territory. We haven't gotten to verse 12 yet, so here we go. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies behind, Ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will, will reveal that also to you. I love that last statement because he essentially says if you're mature, you're going to think like this. If you don't think like this, then God will reveal it to you. Just, just don't worry. He'll, he'll reveal it to you if you think otherwise. Obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit but you're going to get with the program, essentially, he says. I want to unpack this passage this morning. Paul is creating an invitation for you to come back to this well day after day, week after week, and you won't find provision or the supply for your soul any other place. The things that quench the longings of your soul any other place than right here at the well, the streams of living water. So take a look at verse 9 where he says what he supplies for you is righteousness through faith. Not righteousness from the law. So we already, I've already beat that to death. You cannot gain righteousness through the law. In the, in the weeks prior, you can go on the podcast and listen to the weeks prior. I've, I've, I've killed that one. We, we cannot gain our righteousness through the law. Our righteousness comes through, through faith in Christ. But righteousness is not something a term that necessarily translates to us in the 21st century, righteousness very simply is right standing with the Father. So we have right standing with the Father through Christ. Not through ourselves and our own effort, our own energy, but through Christ. And this is something that we need to remind ourselves of daily because I feel like sometimes the way we live as, we're, as we live in moments of discouragement, desperation, is we feel like we have to somehow convince the Father that we're here. Remind him that we're here. Oh God, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Do you see me? We kind of feel very generic and, and uh, insignificant in the grand scheme of things. As though somehow God has forgotten about us. But remember, our righteousness, our right standing with the Father comes through Christ. When, when God the Father looks at us, what he sees is the work of Christ. 
As we place our faith in Christ, what he sees is the finished work of Christ in us, at work, not creating in us uh, just a generic follower of Christ, but creating in us identity as, an, as a daughter or as a son. You are now a child of God, uniquely loved, uniquely cherished. You have his affection. I, I'm never going to fully understand the father heart of God. How he can love billions of people uniquely and so fully. But as a father of four, God continually opens up my heart and my mind in just small ways. I grew up in a house of seven kids, and so I understand somehow, sometimes growing up in a busy, loud house, you can kind of feel like you're forgotten, right? You can kind of feel like, does anybody see me? I'm here too. I was a middle child. I got middle child syndrome. <laughs> But I've been noticing as of late with our fourthborn, her name is Quinn, that I think she wants us to make sure she doesn't get forgotten. We have four kids, seven and under, and at some, at some, at some moments, our house gets pretty loud and rambunctious, and the kids all want to show us things or tell us stories or do tricks and somersaults in the living room. And it's right in all that commotion that Quinn starts shouting, watch this, daddy, watch this, daddy, or watch this, mommy, watch this, mommy. It doesn't take us long to turn our attention towards Quinn. And as of late, her newest trick has just been sticking her head on the ground and kind of plopping over like she's doing a somersault. <laughs> she's not really doing much, but, but we give her applause. And we, we love Quinn. But can I tell you, she doesn't need to, to call out to me to get my attention. She has my full affection. And I've noticed with my kids the father heart of God being revealed to me to a greater degree that I love Quinn uniquely. And she doesn't have to try to convince me of that. And my, my affection and love for Quinn does not take away from my love and my affection from any of my other kids. I love her so uniquely. And ever since she came out of the womb, I've had that love for her. And can I tell you, God is ravishly in love with you. He, he's affectionate for you and you alone and uniquely. You don't have to try to convince the Father and say, watch this, watch this, trying to get his attention Jesus already gained the attention of heaven by, by paying the price on the cross, by rising from the dead. So it's through faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ as you come to the well day after day. Verse 10, he says that it's through, or that I may know him. This depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He speaks of this daily intimacy with God. The very thing we've been unpacking for three weeks intimacy with the Lord. And just like when we are born into this world, Jesus describes in John chapter 3 that when we encounter Christ, it's, it's like that. We, we experience a new birth. Many of you have heard that, being born again. It's the spiritual birth, the spiritual brand new life. And in a similar way, when we're born into this world, what, we have all the faculties and the, uh, the, the basic needs that we have to then grow into maturity, right? From that point on, from the moment you come into this world physically, what you need from that moment on is sustenance and provision so that you may, in the right environment, so that you may grow into maturity and strength, right? So it is in our spiritual walks with Christ. When you, when you encounter Christ, your paradigm is turned upside down, your value grid is turned upside down, you experience new life, but you're not fully mature yet. You have, you have the, the most basic faculties you need to then begin maturing in Christ as you grow into fullness in Christ, day after day. And that, my friends, is intimacy with God. As you become more familiar with the mind of Christ, 
the thoughts of God. You continually grow in Christ's likeness. You begin emulating him in more and more aspects of your life. That is to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the power of new life. You realize what your life used to be and what it is now more and more and more, and you grow in gratitude and thanksgiving in that. He says then in verse, verse 10, a peculiar phrase. He says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. That's one we all want to skip. What? Share his sufferings? And honestly, translators have a hard time translating the original language. Some translations say, may, may experience the fellowship of his sufferings. Fellowship is usually like Christian code for a good time. <laughs> and fellowship and his sufferings, they seem incompat- incompatible. We're going to fellowship in his sufferings, hanging out with Jesus while suffering. That doesn't sound great at all. But as I've been meditating on this throughout the week, something just began to pop off the page to me in our personal struggle and honestly resistance of suffering in this world. Can I tell you, the Christian, um, Christ followers actually have an incredible truth to hang on to in the midst of suffering in this world. As I served on the campus for several, several years, I began to realize time and time again, one of the students' biggest struggles with the idea of God, Christianity, Jesus, is the fact that God, a good God would allow for evil in this world. Maybe they lost a loved one to cancer. Maybe they, they look at what's happening around the world. And they're like, how can a good God stand back, keep his distance while all this chaos is happening? What, Christi- what sets apart Christianity from the rest of the, wor- the religious world's uh, offerings is the fact that Christianity truly believes that God inserted himself into the suffering. He didn't sit far off. He didn't keep it at, at arm's length. Instead, God recognized the suffering and the pain and the sorrow of this world, and he inserted himself into it. And then he took upon himself the full weight of that suffering and that pain. And so those accusations that even rise up in our own hearts as we walk through difficulty, as we walk through suffering, as we walk through pain, they they hold no water in Christianity. Because Christ himself took upon himself the pain and the suffering of humanity. He's fully acquainted with our sorrows. As the prophets called him, the man of sorrows. To a much lesser degree, I've come, become more and more familiar with this idea as I've walked in a relationship with my earthly father. I've told you before that my mom passed away when I was seven years old. And as a seven-year-old kid, when your mom passes away, you're, you're, just, you're just processing in, in this grief through, through yourself, saying, I lost my mom, this hurts, this is painful. As you continue to grow in maturity and into adulthood, you begin to process that through the lens of others. And I began to realize the pain and the suffering of my father in that. As I've walked in relationship and grown in relationship with my dad, I've realized that I didn't just lose a mom, but my dad lost his best friend. You see, my, senior, or my, my dad's senior year of high school, he got led to Christ through my mom. My mom was a spiritual rock in our household and in my, in my dad's life. 
She led him to Christ. She led her parents to Christ. She ended up leading her sister to Christ. Just an amazing um, transformation story in her, whole, in, her, in her life. But tragically, alcoholism and depression and eventually prescription drug abuse ended up snuffing her life out short. But when I, when I see the pain and the suffering through the lens of my father, that changes things. As I've become a husband and a father myself, I become more acquainted with my dad's suffering and say, wow, the, the darkness, the, the fog that my dad must have walked through in response to this utter tragedy. And that pales in comparison to the pain and the suffering that the father has felt for humanity. As yes, he allows a lot to happen, and I'm not never going to say that Christianity has an answer to the why of suffering and pain and sorrow. But Christianity has an amazing answer for the reality that you feel, has an amazing answer for the pain and the suffering that you feel, because he's there with you. He's well acquainted with it. His heart breaks for the things that your hearts break for. He's fully acquainted. And I believe that's how we can share in fellowship in his sufferings. We can become more acquainted with God's heart and I believe as you walk in intimacy with God, he'll begin to show you how his, his heart breaks for situations in your family, for situations in, your, in the workplace, in the city. He wants to reveal it to you. And he says then, even becoming like him in his death, this is not a self-inflicted suffering or pain that we're trying to crucify ourselves again. There have been some... Um, in church history that have tried to inflict pain upon themselves to, to produce righteousness. Can I tell you, righteousness has been fully purchased through Christ's work on the cross. And it's done. You don't have to try to crucify yourself again. But what we can do and what we can experience is we can emulate Christ's selfless love that he demonstrated on the cross. And so we can be crucified with Christ in that we can daily lay down our lives selflessly for those around us. We can become like him in his death. As daily we lay down our lives for our kids, as we lay down our lives for others in this church, as we lay down our lives for people in this city that so desperately need to encounter him, we can become like him in his death. And in verse 12 he says, Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul reminded them that, hey, I'm not perfect. It's not like I've obtained all this, but I'm pressing on. And most of us don't need a reminder that we are not perfect, that we haven't arrived. Most of us are pretty aware of that reality. But I would encourage you to view that reality that we aren't perfect and that we haven't arrived, I would encourage you to allow that to inspire your soul, to press into the fact that there is more to be experienced in Christ. There is a a well of living water where you can press into daily, where you supply what you need for the day. Paul says we press on to make it my own. What Christ has accomplished through the cross, through the power of his resurrection, through sending his Holy Spirit, we can access it daily coming to the living waters, and they refresh your soul. They supply what you need for your mind. They allow you to see the world differently. 
He reveals things in your heart that need to be changed and rooted out. That's what we can press on and press into in Christ. And finally, in verse 13, he says, And forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. I just, I just know humans well enough to know that I would think that, some, that God would bring some of you here this morning just to hear the truth that God is bigger than your past. And this morning, I believe that for some, he's, he's just calling you to forget what lies behind and in a fresh way fix your eyes forward on what Christ has for you. God is bigger than your hurts of your past. The shame and condemnation that you carry around, he's bigger than that. The losses that you've experienced in your, in your, in your past, he's bigger than that. The bitterness that you harbor in your heart, he's bigger than that. And Christ is placing himself in front of you this morning. I believe he'd bring you here into LifePoint to simply present himself as your new prize. That you might strain forward towards him as your greatest prize. Forgetting what lies behind. He knows where you've been. All the unfortunate things that you've walked through and been through in your life, he sees them all. And he's been there. He sees it. He knows where you're at currently. But I think most importantly, he knows what he's creating you into. If you'll just continue to submit in relationship with Christ, he knows where he's taking you. He's creating you into something beautiful and and we can strain forward towards him as our greatest prize. It's a beautiful picture, a beautiful imagery of what we're invited into daily his supply will never run dry. This is my, my life call, my life message, is exactly what we've been unpacking the last few weeks, is simply intimacy with the Lord. It was a couple of years ago, as I was driving in my car, I can remember the street, I can remember the turn. I felt the Lord speak to me. It wasn't audible, but the Lord clearly spoke to me and he asked me a question just like God does, because he's in a relationship with me. He asks me questions, I can ask him questions. That's what a real relationship is. But he asked me a simple question. And he said, Drew, what if your greatest significance was knowing me intimately and loving your family well? What if that was your greatest significance? And this was in a season of life where I was getting my master's degree. I kind of was in a dual, two roles in ministry. I felt pushed in multiple directions. There was always these temptations of, of achieving more and pursuing more and making a name for myself. And then God so intimately, tenderly spoke into my life and asked me a question. And I have to admit there was a pause on my side because it caught me off guard. We so often see significance is what others recognize and what others affirm. What if this place daily where we're just provided for like a, like a child of God was our greatest significance? What could happen? What would be the, the outflow and the fruit of that in our lives 
if you'd all close your eyes in this place, I'm not gonna ask for a response. I just want you to listen for a moment because I want you to picture your own life. I want you to picture you in your own life coming to this well that's on the stage, but this well being the place of relationship with Christ where he provides exactly what you need. I want you to picture that moment in your life where maybe you're just frustrated, maybe you're bored with, with God or you're discouraged. And that day you decide to bring to God, to the well, just a small container, maybe just a Dixie cup. And you're like, okay, God, I need you to fill me up. I, I need something to, to bring me through. And it's in that moment that he supplies, it's more than enough. It's actually overflowing, a little Dixie cup. A couple days later, you come to the well because you're walking through difficulties in a relationship. Maybe it's your, with your spouse, maybe it's with a loved one. You're feeling rejected, you're feeling frustrated. And that day you come to the well with a pail, a larger pail. Maybe some doubts in the back of your mind that he'll have enough to fill it up. But as you dip it into the well, it's more than enough and it's overflowing. A couple weeks later, you get a promotion at work and you're being strained in every direction. You're stressed out. You have a coworker that's driving you nuts or you don't know how to lead them well. You're not sleeping well at night. And so that day you come to the well with a five gallon bucket. And you're still doubting that he would have enough. But you dip it into the well and it's, it's overflowing. A few years later, you've walked with Christ now for a while and you're facing the, the battle of your life contending for your kids or you're contending for some big breakthrough in your life and you're feeling desperate so that day you borrow your friend's truck you're coming to the well with a trough but you're doubting that there'll be enough for God to fill it but of course God supplies and there's more than enough and then you catch on to something oh his supply will never run dry He's always got enough. So you do what any smart human would do and you hook up a pump and you start to just create this constant flow of water and refreshing and provision and supply in your life. You move to the 21st century and you purchase a pump and that becomes your constant source of supply. And he's always there, it's always enough. It never runs dry. I'm just going to ask the worship team to play this song, King of My Heart. I want you to respond to the Lord. I'm never going to venture to say I know everything that's going on in this room. So I just want you to respond to the Lord for a moment. Just take a moment to say, God, I know you're enough. I want to walk in deeper relationship with you. If you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, this is a great morning to start. If you, do, if you are walking in a relationship with Christ, then have a moment with God for him to supply what you need, for him to draw you into daily relationship with himself. Just take a moment. For more information, visit www.livethemessage.org.